You are listening to Figuring Shit Out with Dr. Nikki Naradin, where you can finally get yourself out of that state of confusion. Confusion is the stealer of dreams and move into some clarity so that you can really like live your passion, your hope, your dream, anything you ever wanted. It's all possible. You could feel better really, really quickly. All right. Enjoy the episode. Hey, hey, joy seekers, it's Dr. Nikki here, and you are listening to the Figuring Shit Out podcast with me, yay. And there is so much to talk about, but before I begin to talk, I'm going to say the commitment, and we talked about the commitment before, if you can, it's in the show notes, make a copy of it, put it everywhere, again, the commitment for your life for all the possibilities. I am an example of what's possible, that I live my life looking towards this particular commitment. And remember, the commitment does not talk about being happy or joyous at every moment. It's being able to handle whatever it is that life does throw in your direction, which can be good and can be hard, can be a struggle. From this moment on, I joyfully promise to never give up on my dreams and goals. I choose to remember always that the whole world is mine to explore and I need never be alone in figuring it out and making it just right. That I was born worthy and lovable without condition. And whatever brought me to this place is just the journey to my present and future self and not the sum total of who I am or who I will become. So the possibilities are endless because you have no idea what your future holds and you are not basing your future on your past because if we did that, then nobody would create anything anything new. Like if you honestly believed that you are just the sum total of whatever happened in your past and that nothing new could happen, that we wouldn't be creating anything new. Anything is possible, anything at all. So A Course in Miracles, we've been talking about for quite some time and we are on lesson 28. So we are moving along. Now, remember, if you have kind of gotten to this part of our journey or this part of the podcast, and remember the podcast before this was the Teen and Tween Parenting Podcast with Dr. Nikki Naradin. So there are lots of episodes related to that. But about 28 episodes ago, I started doing A Course in Miracles with you guys with the idea that the true way to change what it is that your results are is to figure out how to change your thinking. And that all our thinking, or at least a good portion of it, has been programmed for whatever happened before us and up for evaluation or reevaluation or the ability to look at something different. And that is so hopeful, the possibility of looking at something different. So lesson 28 is a wonderful building on the previous method, the previous lessons, which is asking us to see things and to really see them, to look at them in ways that we had never looked at them before. And so this lesson really says that exactly. Above all else, I wanna see things differently. But it uses the words above all else, 
which means that you're putting it as a priority, even if it's hard to do, that you are making a decision that you're willing to see things differently, even a table, even a chair, that it's not only about the function of what we decided it meant beforehand, but there might be a a, a bigger and a different purpose in relation to the whole world, to other people, to the universe, to how people see things. So if you approach things with an open mind, you can see them in a new light instead of defining them by past experiences. So try to withdraw your own ideas and see the beauty and value that they hold. There's something special waiting to be discovered by seeing things differently, possibly something full of hope and encouragement. Beneath all of our preconceived notions lies the true purpose that the universe shares with whatever we're willing to look at differently. And I am constantly willing to see things differently because when I see things differently, then I might be able to understand a different perspective. And when I understand a different perspective, then I relate to somebody in a way that they could tell that I'm not criticizing or judging them. And then they might be able to see my perspective or not. I'm not actually doing it for them to see my perspective. I'm doing it so that I could create a perspective that other people might be able to be in alignment with, or that they might open the possibilities for themselves to see something differently. So I'm in New York, and this is my last week here before I go back to Nome. And the wildfires in Canada is blowing smoke in my direction. And if you looked outside right now, New York is extremely yellow and hazy. And I've never seen it like this before, especially related to fires that are so far away. Now, other parts of the country have this all the time. And I think about this, that we're so upset to have the air quality be so bad where we are. And I appreciate that we're upset. I'm not looking for people to not be upset. But I do realize that there are different parts of the country and different parts of the world that experience this constantly. And I appreciate that. And I feel for you guys. And I feel for whatever is going on in Canada right now with these wildfires that are wiping out large swaths of the forest and the trees, large swaths of the animals that live there creating pollution within the environment that's really affecting the people that are close by and definitely affecting us. So we are all one. We are all together. I am willing to see this from outside of my own perspective. And this is what I think about because I'm vegan and I don't talk about that very much. And the reason why I don't talk about it very much is because people don't seem to like vegans. I read a New York Times article that said vegans are regarded only slightly higher than, let's say, dr- IV drug users. Now, I don't, I don't mind IV drug users. <laughs> like, I mean, I, when I say I don't mind them, I, I, I work with people who, you know, have true addictions that make their life really, really hard, and the trauma that came first in relation to whatever they needed to do in order to feel good, I am not passing judgment on, but the world might pass judgment on 
it and somehow me as a vegan the world has passed judgment on as well i think because i have a strong idea about why i'm a vegan and i really haven't talked about it very much but it's it's more about exploitation and i'm trying and spend most of my life decreasing the exploitation of animals humans young people people of color all of it land water resource and this was the one thing that i could do every day to remember that now the reason why i'm vegan is because my daughter came home about six years ago when she was 16 years old and said listen i am not going to kill any more animals i'm not killing the environment i'm going vegan watch this documentary and you decide and i watched it and i realized that she was right and we went vegan pretty much that day the rest of the family went kicking and screaming i was really happy to embark on this project with her and it's a daily reminder for me about giving up something in order to help for the greater good of the environment of my health of the health of other people of the animals of the land of the water of whatever and i think even my presence or the fact that i do this makes people feel angry now a lot of them say well vegans are just so annoying or they have such strong opinions and there are definitely some that do although i'm not one that is forcing my opinion down anybody's throat I like the way I live my life. I like what I'm doing. But I do realize that in order to have a movement that is directly against what society is promoting at the time and the way that they're marginalizing groups of people. So I think about veganism in the same way that I think about the women's liberation movement or the Black Lives matter movement or whatever way in which people fight in order to kind of equalize the playing field that you have to have some people that are pushing the needle in a really strong way ones that are loud ones that have strong opinions ones that are really willing to fight for something that they believe in because i'm pretty centrist about this I don't like to rock the boat that much. I don't want to be that visible. And I have the luxury of not being that visible because I'm white and I'm middle class and I have a particular kind of job that people aren't judging and have a certain kind of respect within the community. And so I'm fortunate enough to be able to do it. But there are other groups that are suffering under the weight of this oppression that really need things moved much more strongly. And there are people willing to do it. So I'm thankful for the people that came before me that were willing to fight for women's rights. Because if it were done by me in my very, not small, but quieter, more what I believe is acceptable way, then nothing would have happened. I wouldn't have all the luxuries and the abilities that I have at this moment. So thank you. And so for the vegans out there that are making a lot of noise, I thank you for trying to write what is presently hurting the land, the water, the animals, and people's health. 
So thank you. So the reason why I'm saying that is that if it bothers us that much, then I do have to somehow question how I feel about whatever it is that they're yelling and screaming about. Because maybe I'm feeling bad about my own practices and I'm not willing to look at something. And so if it's affecting us in this tremendous way where we are hating vegans and not willing to do anything, then I think it's a good opportunity to look at my feelings related to what I'm doing and whether there needs to be a change or not. The other thing is that nothing actually needs to be perfect. And so sometimes I'll talk to people about my feelings related to exploitation and veganism and they'll say, oh, I want to do that, but I can't. And I think that their, their thought is that they can't do it perfectly. And you don't have to do anything perfectly. I don't do anything perfectly at all. I really am trying to be as conscious as I can be, but in terms of exploitation, I own an iPhone. I own a computer. I have no idea about the labor that went into these things. I buy clothing that tends to be pretty cheap, and I'm sure that there are practices happening related to that that are not so incredibly thoughtful. And there's lots of exploitation going on there. So what I'm saying is that you just get to become a little bit more thoughtful every day and don't get stuck in the perfectionism of doing any of this stuff. And I do digress from what it was that I was going to talk about because I was going to talk about getting anything done. And so I'm still going to talk about it because I've got a couple more minutes left. And I want you guys to be able to get what you want done. And when I say what you want done, what I mean is not to spend your complete day putting out fires. And what I mean putting out fires, what I mean is to do the urgent things that need to happen that day. When people call, when people are texting, when your boss wants this one particular thing, when you've got the laundry to do, when food needs to be happening, when people are pulling at your attention constantly. And then you end up getting distracted from moving whatever your bigger hopes and dreams and goals are that needle forward. And I want you to be able to do that too. We can put out fires and we can have big hopes and dreams for whatever it is that we want for our lives. And when I say hopes and dreams, they don't necessarily need to be large world changing things. They could be something related to what you'd like to do for your health or your body. Simple as that. So the reason why I was thinking about this is because I just wrote a book and I wrote it in two weeks. It's just pretty crazy. Now, I never would have been able to do that, but I felt like doing it. And I had a group of people that were doing it with me and I wanted to do that. The other thing is that I'm finding it difficult to sit down and record a podcast, even though I always feel great once I do it. Everybody really get so much out of the podcast. People are constantly telling me how it's changing what they're doing, changing what they're thinking, changing how they're living their lives, that they're feeling much more fulfilled in their lives, that they tend to have better relationships with people. I mean, the feedback that I get is so tremendous and it feeds me to keep doing this. And yet I'm still struggling to sit down to record the damn podcast. And so I thought, well, let me pick out or 
think about how I got this book done and then do the thing that I do, which is the five steps. Is it five? Yep. Five steps on how to get anything done. So the first thing is that you have to act even in the face of hard feelings. So when you're embarking on new endeavors, it's common to have negative thoughts about it. Like related to this book, nobody's going to read it. Nobody really wants it. I don't have any great ideas going on right now. How am I going to put together a book in two weeks? Now, two weeks is a really short period of time and you won't necessarily do that, but it was more a challenge that I had with myself and this group I'm working with. But if you make a commitment to proceed anyway, even in the face of hard emotions, then you will get them done. And then step number two is you're going to have to get ready to do B minus work, which means that if your perfectionism comes in, and we talked about this before in terms of the veganism, then you're going to talk yourself out of doing anything. So get ready to do the B minus work, and then you can always redo something or put in a second draft. The truth is, is that my B minus work is still pretty damn good. And it might be somebody else's A work or A minus work. So just assume you're going to do B minus work and get that done anyway. And then the next step is to feel your feelings, that you are going to have feelings about it. And anytime you have a feeling about doing something that's really hard, know that you are going to somehow work on them, that they're probably an early... And when I say early, meaning a childhood feeling related to discouragement and where you were discouraged to do things that weren't perfect and where you didn't do well on those tests and somehow they told you you weren't smart enough or you were stupid or you failed or lazy or whatever they told you. So all those feelings will come back and just assume you're going to have them and work on them in all the ways we work on feelings, allowing feelings, feeling them, noticing what they look like in your body processing them so that they somehow will be felt and know that you're okay. A feeling is a vibration in your body and you can actually deal with it. Do some tapping. I've been doing tons of tapping lately. There are always ways you can get over your feelings, but notice whenever you have a negative discouraging feeling, they're just early childhood hurts that have come back in order to protect you for present time. So don't beat yourself up. The next step is to schedule things. And when I say schedule them, put that schedule in. And if it looks really overwhelming, break it up into the smallest of small, small tasks, and then get those tasks done and celebrate each one of them. Write them down. They've got to be chunks that don't feel overwhelming to you. Like with the book, the first thing I did is write a title and then Think about what chapters you want in that book. Then think about what is in each chapter. Like it it just, and I was just free thinking all of this, but it's got to be the smallest of small, small. Like, you know, think about getting to the gym. Like if you're going to break it down into the smallest steps for getting into the gym, what you're probably going to end up doing is like, put on your sneakers, put on your gym clothes, put your hair back in a ponytail. Like it's going to be that tiny get your car keys out. Every bit of it is going to be that hard. And then the other thing that I found, which is pretty fantastic, is find people to do things with you. So with this book thing, I had a hundred people 
that were also writing this book in two weeks. And I felt accountable to them. And I thought, you know what? I am never doing hard things alone anymore. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be times where you're going to do things that people won't be able to join you with. And that's fine. But wherever you can, get yourself with a group of people that you like to do. So now I have this book written. And now I joined another group that's going to figure out how to support me in getting this book out there and promoting this book and making sure that everybody will benefit from this book. So whatever you do, whether you're writing a book, you're doing anything your heart desires, follow these steps. And then there is the possibility. Now, remember that you're always going to have to see your compelling why as to why you're doing it. And if it's not strong enough, you probably won't end up doing it. But that is a subject for a different podcast. All right. You got this, guys. There is so much going on in this podcast. If you want to work together, if you want to get in touch with me, if you have ideas for a podcast, if you want to be on my podcast and talk about it, just get in touch with me. All right. I'll speak to you soon. I love you guys. Hey, everybody. If you want to work with me and really figure shit out, get unstuck and off the emotional roller coaster and heading towards your passion. And I know you can get in contact with me and let's work together. It'll be worth worth it for the life of your dreams. Okay. You can get in touch with me at Nikki at drnikkinaridan.com. That's N-I-K-K-I at D-R-N-I-K-K-I-N-E-R-E-T-I-N.com. Take care. Love you guys.